we got a great episode lined up for you today. First, we're going to introduce the newest minivan man, Aaron Arianpour, who recently took the plunge and decided to go for his passion in life. Listen to that. And then we're going to talk about me, Maz, making my movie, Jimmy Vestwood, and all of the craziness that I've had to deal with in trying to get it made. All of that and more on Minivan Men coming up now. All right, Minivan Men back in action after, I don't know how many months of uh, hiatus. We're back. I'm Maz Jobrani uh, from Los Angeles. On the other end, we've got the newest Minivan Men and best voiced minivan man really this guy's voice is pretty amazing give it up for aaron arianpour hello aaron hey Moss. thanks thanks for having me thanks for joining man um so for for those who have not been in uh been 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 hearing listening for a while uh we took a little bit of a break over the summer and then it just rolled into a crazy busy fall um i've been busy uh, getting ready to make my movie, Jimmy Westwood, American Hero. Um, Al Madrigal's been busy doing a million things. Uh, Daily Show, he's got a TV show that he'll be, he'll be working on soon. He is um, he toured with Dave Chappelle. Uh, Chris Spencer, I don't know what he's doing, like a million other things. Kevin Hart stuff, writing stuff. So we said, hey, you know what? Let's get other people that we know that are good, funny people uh, and um, bring them on board and have them help us out. So here's Aaron out of Dallas, funny comedian. We've worked together several times. And um, now Aaron is in a very interesting place in his life because, Aaron, you recently uh, quit your day job, correct? Right. I uh, Tell us about it. Okay. So I've been working in the corporate world and I think very much like um, your situation where you were in advertising, right, for mm-hmm. the longest time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't necessarily mean for it to happen, but just kind of chugged along and was making a decent living. And it was uh, a lot easier to decide to you know, get married and start a family and all that. But at the same time, um, the stand-up, the performing, really, really started picking up, and it's definitely where my passion is. And um, an opportunity came up where they offered me another promotion, and I was kind of at a crossroads. Uh, I, I, I literally, I, I kind of knew that the offer was coming and I had to ask my wife, I'm like, okay, baby, what's the number that they'd have to offer me that you'd leave me if I turned down? Mm. And um, they just barely missed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. Now, now you're married and uh, you have, how old are your kids? I've got an eight and a half year old and I've got an 18 month old. And so at this point in your life, you finally said, I'm taking the dive. I'm out of here. I, I'm going for it. I, yeah. And, you know, I can, I can still uh, help make ends meet with some, you know, side work and freelance uh, and all that. But the, the travel was getting, was getting crazy. It was getting a lot of fun. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't work all weekend and then try to drag my ass back into the office on Monday morning and, uh, and do it all over again, you know? And spend time with the family. Uh, now, how long ago? How long ago did you did you leave the company? Um, I turned in my notice in March, and then I figured out a part time schedule that I could start working over the summer. And the summer was actually pretty amazing because I was able to do all the things with my family that I wanted to do on top mm-hmm. of all the tra- you know all the stand up. And um, you know, I'm still kind of one toe in. 
you know, but it's just, it's been a, it's been a very different schedule and it's definitely been a different paycheck. Well, it's interesting because I'm sure some of the listeners, whether they have kids or they don't have kids, everyone's got a passion. And it's amazing how you were saying you just kept getting promoted and promoted. And it's almost like you get promoted out of your passion. You know oh, it's, yeah, it's easy to rationalize it. It's like, how, how am I supposed to walk away from this? You know, um, and all the things that you, you you grow accustomed to, that your family grows accustomed to. And, and at some point, your passion seems almost uh, selfish, you mm-hmm. know, if you're not in a supportive relationship. Um, but the thing is, it's this wasn't untested. This is something that uh, I've been working on for, you know, 10, 11 years now. Um, this is something where I've... Uh, I've known a little bit of success along the way, a lot of different um, yard markers along the way to let me know that I'm on the right track, that this isn't totally foolish. And my mm-hmm. wife knows that as long as I'm bringing some money in and I'm doing what I want, um, it's just going to be better for everybody in the long run. Now, you're, you're in the infancy stages of having taken this, this plunge, um, and I'm just curious how has your time with your family changed? Are you able to spend more time, less time? How has the stress of the finances changed? Like, what, what, like looking back, doing a little Monday morning quarterbacking, how do you feel about it so far six months in? Um, the fact that I haven't had to dip into savings um, makes me feel really good. The fact that there have been some opportunities that you know, I've been able to say yes to that I probably couldn't say yes to six months ago or a year ago Mm -hmm. um getting to showcase for networks getting to do some tv you know here in north texas um getting to take some gigs that i I normally would say no to uh that's all been fantastic and then to also have kind of the flexible schedule to where i can hang out with the baby in the morning i don't have to rush to the office right away Mm -hmm. um i mean that's time that i'm never going to get back otherwise Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So getting to hang out with him and he's, he's hysterical, you know, so, uh, you know, and my wife teaches also. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, a good window in the summer where she's off and, you know, I would get jealous where, you know, she'd take, uh, the kids to the zoo or, you know, whatever, go to the library. And it's something that I'd never get to do. And, and this summer we were able to do so much of it. The, the, the Monday right before school started, um, I took my oldest to uh, Six Flags just because mm-hmm. we could. And um, it was awesome just to be able to have that kind of time with them and um, kind of act like an irresponsible, you know, teenager just happened to have an eight-year-old <laughs> in tow. Uh, but it was it was dead, and I love being off schedule. That's the other thing that I love about stand-up, too, is the hours. Um, kind of being awake when most people are asleep. Kind of driving home when when there's not much traffic you know uh getting to go through the back way to the venue versus through the front door i mean like all of that stuff is appealing to me so to be able to go to six flags when it's dead and just kind of have our run of the place um was badass yeah you know it's interesting i always encourage people to go for it because my my philosophy is you live once and uh and what's the point? I, I I would hate to reflect on life and go, man, I didn't I didn't give that a shot. I didn't give that a shot. I didn't give that a shot. So it's like, and we all have. Everybody's got some passion. Whether it's I've always wanted to cook, or I've wanted to take a trip to Italy, or I've wanted to start my own whatever business or whatever it is. And a lot of us, 
um, out of fear, we don't do it. And I say, I would say it's better to try it and, and even fail than not try it. And secondly, I think if you do go after your passion and you do fail, that if it's your passion, you will try it again. You won't stop. You know, I think that's another thing about uh, finding your passion. And so, but at the same time, what you said is very important, which is, you know, it was calculated. It wasn't like you didn't sit there and go, you know what, I want to be a sculptor. I'm just going to pick up the family and move to Italy. I've never sculpted in my life before. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I, I know people like that, too, who go, look, man, I want to be a rapper. And I'm like, have you ever rapped? They're like, nope. And I'm like, uh, do you know how to bust a rhyme? And they go, nope. And, you go, and then and you go, man, like, and then, like, maybe they, you know, read something to you and you're like, oh, man, you stink. But the funny thing is, look, maybe if they put in the time, they could, they could be good after several years. Well, but that's the thing is that everybody stinks at the beginning. You yeah. know, it's just you can't go all in when it's also yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's got to be some of that, that, that crossover. And, um, you know, to your point about, you know, having a passion, I think everybody talks a good game. I think that, you know, it, it's something that we reinforce. It's, you know, positive posts on Facebook. You know, everybody knows it. I think it's one of those things that everybody um, acknowledges that they know. Yeah, you know, you find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's, I think, another thing entirely to uh, make it happen. Yeah, like the, like you were just saying, like, it's like my, my vocation is my vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Everyone's got something, but it's about making it happen. And here's what's interesting when you observe your kids, because, you know, um, your, your son is, is Max, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's eight, you said, right? Right. And so Dara, my boy, who's five, and Mila, my daughter, who's two, and how, and the little and the little one, uh, your little guy is uh, what's his name? Mason. Mason. So great names. Um, it's amazing watching kids because kids pursue their passion all day long. Whatever they want, whatever they whatever inspires them, they get into it, and they sometimes they leave it really quickly, you know. But they're constantly going from thing to thing and doing what they want to do, what they what what makes them happy at that moment. And they're all and in. Some, they're all in they're, too. They're, my, my my kid, when he finds something that interests him, he he seeks it out and just you know. Uh, explores as much of it as possible like wh whatever book we happen to be on whatever subject we happen to be on he keeps coming back with more books with more information with more movies he wants to see and i think that that's something that's that's amazing and it's something that we we, we kind of lose when we grow up is um feeling like we have that kind of time to dedicate to to just being curious you know yeah you know it's and I, it's, it's it's interesting i wonder if it's a function of because we've come up with this number of 18 is when you're an adult. Now, some societies, maybe they're 16, some societies, whatever. In China, it's when you're four. <laughs> um, but we've come up with these numbers, and I wonder if part of it is because, okay, this is the number we've come up with, and this is when your education will end, and now you have to get serious, and then that makes people just switch to another way of life and thinking, and the the passion is kind of... Uh, uh, pulled out of them and the practicality is pumped into them. I wonder if it's it's because of it's a random number or if it's that we're mentally and physically at a point of maturity where it's time to do something that includes, you know, making a living, having an income. 
I wonder which one it is, or, or if it goes hand in hand. I mean, maybe maybe it, by eighteen, you're bored of just going and seeing every movie and and just doing whatever you want. A lot of times, when you, I remember being, you know, a teenager and having a summer of just sitting around with my friends and being like, "Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know?" And it wasn't like any one of us was passionate about like you know sometimes it's, it's also you haven't found a passion you know because because when you're a kid your passions are let's play let's paint let's fix let's build whatever but then when you're 18 i don't know if it's as easily to come it's, it's as easy to come by you know what i'm saying i think that there are people that are in their 40s 50s 60s that don't know what they're passionate about i think that uh you know what you were saying is from you know from things that i've heard things that i've read you know physically mentally you know, we may be, you know, approaching that maturity date, whatever, you know, 18, 19, 20, whatever. But uh, I think about this too. I think about when you're a kid, I think about even high school, that um, you're allowed to pursue a lot of different things. I mean, it also depends on what kind of house you grow up in, um, you know, whether you have the resources or whether you have parents that are patient enough to kind of see you through all these things. But just the classes that you take, you know, you, 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 you know, you can take math, you take art, you take PE, you take music, you take all of these things because they want you to be well-rounded. Um, again, in some of the, I guess, better school systems, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're interested in theater, you get to do theater for a semester, right? And, and so I think that when you're in middle school, high school, um, you kind of get the opportunity to, you know, test a lot of different waters. And then the older that you get, the more you are, I guess, encouraged or, or kind of pushed into finding one thing to mm -hmm. kind of focus because you, you do have just a finite amount of time. You do have a finite amount of resources. And the idea is you got to pick something so that you can study it full time when you get to college. And then hopefully that'll be related to something that you can make a career out of. So you better, it, I mean, it, it's really stressful. By the time you get to be you know, a sophomore or junior in high school, uh, I think a lot of people feel like they have to have their whole career path figured out, you know, so yeah, that they're not wasting of, college. There's a lot of pressure that's put on. I mean, I, I got some some of that stuff from like, you know, immigrant parents are some of the worst in that like, uh -huh. they're like you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor. This is what you're going to be. This is what you're going to do because um, our family has a name and an image. Every family's got a name and an image. Doesn't matter what, like, doesn't matter how big of losers you are. Every family <laughs> will say we have a name and an image. You know, people are people are going to talk. I don't know who these people are, why they're going to talk. I don't know who cares about what your son does. But a lot of immigrant parents push their kids in that direction. And then obviously just the Western way of doing, I mean, just in life. I mean, I was just thinking about what you were just saying about the classes, because it would be great if you could just keep, just keep taking classes. But at a certain point, like, you know, it's kind of like, like dazed and confused. You're, you know, you're, you're 30 and you're still in college. And it's right. like, all right, I better get my, get my crap together. So... Listen, man, the the good news is you took this dive. I've been talking to you for a long time about this, you know, and it's so good to see it, so exciting to see it. I, I went through it myself years ago, and uh, it was the best thing I'd ever done. So congrats on that. Let's take Thank a you. break. Let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll do, uh, do a little bit more of Minivan Men. Guys, thanks for all the support. Make sure to go to Facebook and go to our page under Minivan Men and like us there. You can also find that page by going to our website, minivanmen.com, and clicking on the Facebook link. See you on Facebook.
Hey, we're back with Minivan Man. Maz Jobrani here with Aaron Arianpour, the newest Minivan Man out of Dallas, Texas. <laughs> That's how we sound in Texas too. Um, Dallas to Texas. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I got a lot going on, and I, I, I figured maybe I catch people up a little bit, and and we could talk about. It. First of all, does uh, does uh, the eight year old Max does he still play with the Legos? He still oh, does Legos, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the people that invented Legos are they are they sadistic? What is this? What's what's the deal with all these little pieces all over my house? You have that, or does Max clean his stuff up? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just ruined the mic. Yeah. Um, no, no, look, I grew up a Lego fan, so I totally get it. But my kid has got, he's got a better house than I ever grew up in. He's got more toys than I ever had. It's ridiculous. And um, you can explain it to him, too. Hey, man, I need it all put up. I need all the old stuff put up before you take out the new stuff. Like, yeah, sure, I got it, I got it. And I'm still finding stuff with my feet. You can't walk barefoot in my house. Dude, it's crazy because what happened was, so my, so my son is five. My wife went in. My wife is convinced our son is a genius. Um, he took some tests. He did well in it. I don't know how, you know, it's four-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he is a smart kid, knock on wood. But I'm just saying, like, so because she's convinced he's a genius, she doesn't buy the five-year-old Legos. She buys the eight-year-old Legos. Now, you know, anyone who's got kids knows Five-year-old Legos are the size of pancakes, mm -hmm. and eight-year-old Legos are the size of little flies. I mean, little, just little teeny, just like little blueberries. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm going around the house finding all these little pieces, and then yesterday we cleaned it all up. And m when I say we, that's mostly me. Um, that's that's me. It's funny too. I don't know if at, if at eight they still have this crazy lack, of, like like weird attention span but we'll start cleaning up and then my son will like find a piece and in the middle of cleaning up he'll like start doing something with that piece he'll go and start building again i'm like what are you doing i'm like focus we're throwing it all in the box and then he'll like throw another piece in pick up another piece up and start staring at that piece and be like i think it goes with that piece. i'm like we're cleaning up right now and um so i did it all last night this morning in the my little hazy kind of morning getting up running into the kitchen because the little girl had fallen and was crying i come running in and i look over and there's a pile of legos right where we cleaned up last night and mm. i'm like dara i'm like what's going and i felt bad because you you want to encourage them to do this you know play and all this stuff but i'm like dude and i and then i go you're gonna clean that before you leave right he's like uh-huh he left it's still there no there's no at eight, I haven't noticed any change. It's the same thing. How how old is the youngest again? Youngest is two and a half. Okay, see, there's a whole other issue now, um, you know, with the baby in our house. It's like not only are they small and that they get everywhere, but now you've got a baby brother who is cruising, crawling, walking, running everywhere, wants everything, and it, there's it, choking hazards now all over the house. Oh yeah, everything everything is food for this guy. Right. So, I mean, you don't want to put the fear of God into the, you know, an 8-year-old. You're talking about crushing <laughs> creativity, but it's like you are going to choke your brother. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah. You will be tried for murder <laughs> in the state of Texas. They execute people. We take this very seriously in Texas. <laughs> you got to clean up your Legos. You got to clean up your Legos or Governor Perry will come get you. <laughs> What's funny, like my thing is I always, if I ever want to scare him, I'm like, 
hey, if you do that, you're going to get sick. Then you're going to go to the hospital. We're going to give you a shot. It's uh, kind of the, the shot is the way to go with, uh, with convincing them that something bad's going to happen. Um, you know, like, like my daughter, she's, you know, she's gotten to the point now where she wouldn't necessarily pick up a little pig, the, the, the smallest Lego piece and eat it, but she would take some toy and like put it in her mouth and kind of chew on it. And of course, then it would slip in her, you know, and then it would slip in her throat and then she'd be choking on it. So yeah, it's the same, man. It's, oh, it's crazy. But uh, in the middle of all this, so here's where, where I am. So I'm producing this movie, Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero. I think anyone who's listened to the Minivan Men has heard it before. But in case you haven't, it's basically the Persian Pink Panther. I play the lead. It's a comedy. And I will tell you, Aaron, the distance between writing a script to making the script into a movie, the difference, the distance, the... Uh, just the, the 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 effort mm-hmm. is so so far apart. It's so I mean, like everyone I know in this town. There's a joke in L.A. Like everyone, like everyone's got a headshot. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone's got a script. You know, and it's crazy because it's. I thought writing the script was a hard part because you sit down, you write. And you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite and you read it and you're like, God, this still stinks. And you rewrite and you have people read it and they give you feedback and they lead you in one direction. I mean, literally, we've been rewriting for about 10 years. And in that process, we had a few times where where we had some funding and we thought we're going to make it. And I'd never made a movie. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. No problem. And now that we're making it. You know, I'm producing, I'm writing, I'm starring. Uh, my co-writer is also producing, and we've got we've got a few other people helping us produce. And man, it's like, for example, let me just give you an example. Like you, we wrote a, a scene, and we're like, oh, this is funny. It's in a, it takes place in a wedding. It's a wedding scene. Great. Well, now we got to go find the location for the wedding, right? Okay, great. Let's go find a location. And by the way, this is an independent film, which means we have nothing to spend. We have very little money to spend. So we go to a location where they hold real weddings. And we're like, hey, what can you do for us? And we have a, like, we know somebody there. So the guy's supposed to give us a discount. So he's like, listen, normally it's 10 grand a day for the room. We, and our budget is like one grand. He's like, it's usually 10 grand a day. You know, we probably get it to you for five grand a day. But then you have to make sure you're going to have to rent all your dishes from us and all the food. I'm like, wait a minute. You're planning a wedding. We're putting on a real wedding. <laughs> I'm like, oh my! I didn't even think about that because when you write it, you're like, oh, this is so funny, and then you and then you go, what? And so then I'm like talking to the director. I'm like, is there any way we could shoot it so that we just you know pay for one table with food and then just do like angle it so we don't see it th- that table ever again and we just see people dancing? Can we just do that? I mean, it is crazy. It is crazy. Has it forced the, you into a rewrite? Have you had to change locations? Dude, we've had to change locations. We've had to change re- redone rewrite. I mean, we did that. Uh, we had a scene that took place in a home and garden store, having a hard time finding a home and garden store. By the way, there's a million home and garden stores all over Los Angeles, but we have to find a home and garden store near downtown because the day that we've set aside to shoot the home and garden store, we're also shooting something else that takes place in downtown, and we don't have enough money to add a day and move things around. We have to do everything in that location. So, you know, the, the guy was calling every home and garden store in downtown LA, no, 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 give us a lot of money, we don't have any money. 
okay, move on. So then we're like, okay, can we do this? There's a scene that's like in a park. Can we do it as a park instead of home and garden? Yes, done. Let's move this around. Let's do that. Da, 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 da. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, let me tell you something. One of our actors, this just happened. We shoot next week. One of our actors, young guy, had a stroke. Oh, geez. Yeah. How crazy is that? Is he okay? I mean, it was like, I think so. It's like, I, I don't know the guy that well. Um, one of the other guys. You just know that he's messing up the production. You mess it up production. <laughs> Hello, what's wrong with you? Suck it up. Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. No, it's crazy. I was, it was, I was like shocking news. Like this guy who was young, um, just we got a call yesterday. He had a stroke, and it was like, oh my god. Like first of all, it was like a wake up call. You're like, I better like relax and, and you know not take it too hard here. Like. <laughs> You know, it's all about me. It's like, yeah. you had a stroke? Oh, well, then I should go get a spa-mus treatment. <laughs> um, no, but it's, 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 I'm just saying it's crazy because it's, it's amazing that movies ever get made. Like, there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I don't know if this is the place to bring it up, but I was listening to the podcast about uh, Breaking Bad. You know, big Breaking Bad fans in, in Do me house. a favor. Do me a favor. I'm in season two, so do not, do not... Give me the no any sp- plot lines. No spoilers, but no spoilers, one of the things God. that they said was that due to the exact issue that you're talking about, they were forced to change a sequence from a montage to one location. So it's supposed to be a bunch of different locations, and then it becomes one location. And because of that budgetary limit, um, it ended up informing uh, that character, the character's choices, motivations, uh, all of that, and it's it's very interesting how something feels like it's so part of the script. It feels so part of who that character was from the beginning, and it turned out it was just because of um, you know their shooting schedule. Is this a char- Is this something that happened in season one or two or later? It, it's later. I mean, I won't go okay, into it. Yeah. Won't go. But you know what's crazy? What you just said is funny because I've always worked as an actor. And I've, you know, I've written, but I've never produced any of my own uh, written pieces. I mean, the small one, I did a, I did a, I did a short, so that was pretty easy. Um, but as an actor, it's funny, you show, somebody calls you, you, you get, you go audition, you get cast, somebody calls you and they go, hey, I'm from wardrobe, you know, can you come in for a fitting? You go in for a fitting, they give, they pull out some clothes, they put it on you, you show up the next day, it's in a you know, a uh, trailer waiting for you. You put it on, you go on set, and you're suddenly in a dental office, you know, getting your teeth examined. That's that's the set. You know, it's all been done. So you're like, oh, that's so easy. Well, coming from this side, you see, like, we're constantly sitting, like, you know, we're getting calls from the art department going, um, you know, we don't we don't really have it in a budget to, to get a dental chair. So is there another way that like he could get his teeth checked? And so you're like, um, okay, uh, maybe, okay, this is what we'll do. It'll be like a dental clinic, like it's a tent outdoors and the dentist is set up to look at people's teeth. So can we get like a fold-out chair and just a tent? Is that cheaper? Yes, great. It's gonna happen in a tent with a fold-out chair and uh, instead of... Uh, you know, dental equipment, he'll be using a fork and a knife. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just like, I mean, that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happens. And it's exactly what you said, because as actors, when you read it, you're like, oh, that's kind of an interesting creative choice. They don't know that it was like, no, we couldn't afford the real deal. So you are a carny dentist now because we yeah. can't afford a chair. Yeah. 
It's so crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't even know, man. It's crazy. But, hey, it's fun. It's nice to be able to, you know, be the boss on all this stuff. I mean, the main, I guess the main concern now is, like, as an actor, you're like, I got to get into this and, and have and, and have fun and deliver. And, and hopefully, after all this effort, you end up with a good film. Here's the other thing, because, like, we have rewritten the script in the past six months to get to where it is now, and we're really happy with what it is now. But... We just did a, a ter- table read, and we and we like liked it. We're like, oh, that was funny. And I turned to my writing partner. And he's like, remember the previous version we had? I said, if we were doing a table read with that version, because it was funny, but it wasn't as as funny. And, and in all honesty, like I knew deep down inside that that one was just not, wasn't as good as like, it just wasn't good. I was like, imagine if we did a table read with that, and we had to sit here in this room with people. Um, and they had to read it and pretend like they liked it, and we had to know deep down inside that it's not that good, and yet we're spending money to go into making half a million dollars to go make a movie that we know is not going to be that good. Like I was like I I would I don't know what I'd do, you know I take up meth. <laughs> I mean that has to happen. That has to happen so often in Hollywood though, right? I mean people just knowing that they're not, well, for whatever reason, they're not doing the best version of whatever it is they wanted to do. Dude, half the movies that come out suck. That's got to happen all the time where they're like, oh, we spent 50 million and we've got Sandra Bullock and we've got Robert De Niro and we've got Will Smith and this sucks. And I think at that point they go, you know what? Call the marketing department. Hey, marketing, listen, we've got this two-minute trailer which has two minutes of everything that's good in this movie. You just blast the hell out of this and hope that in that first weekend we make our money back because it ain't going any further. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so what are you up to now? What are, you, what are, your, uh, what are your plans in the near future? Uh, well, I, did, uh, I just got back from Chicago where I participated in the Comedy Central thing. Um, uh-huh. Didn't pan out, but uh, it, was, it was cool. Brand new opportunity. Um, and then shortly after that, I, I, I went on a few dates, uh, opening for, um, for Angela, and Angela Johnson, Angela Johnson. And, mm-hmm. uh, th- those shows are always amazing. Um, and so I've got a couple shows in, uh, Texas again, coming up this month. And then next month I'll be working with Angela again in El Paso. And then I'm working in Omaha. Uh, wow. I, I am, I'm, I'm featuring up there, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to going to Nebraska in November, uh, November. It's part of the that's new gonna life. Be f- that's going to be fun, buddy. Yeah. You, you go do that. And um, uh, I just want to say again, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, so this is the newest minivan, man. We're going to rotate me, Aaron, uh, Al, and sometimes Chris will all rotate in. And as we go... Um, we may even bring on some other guest minivan men, just so you know. So, so tune in. We're back. Uh, Aaron, what are you on Twitter? You're at, at Aaron Comedian. Aaron is too hard to, to spell. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Aaron Forget Comedian. A A R O N. Yeah. At Aaron Comedian. You can watch him perform. Very funny. Uh, comedian out of Dallas. There's a lot of stuff about his kids and being married, and it's, it's funny stuff. And I'm at Maz Jobrani. Um, and, uh, you can also, uh, send us, uh, letters or, or emails, suggestions, ideas. Tell us if you're happy, we're back. 
You can go to uh, facebook.com slash mazjobrani. Send me a letter there. Let me know what's going on. And I will write you back. Minivan men, back in action. Thank you and good night or good morning or whenever you're listening to this. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch or find out more, you can go to minivanmen.com or contact us through our websites, mazjobrani.com and almadrigal.com. We hope to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks.